0: Here, just so I can get things rolling with that. So, we are jumping into uh, a new series today, uh, Even with the rain and it being now on the nice tin roof. And it's a series that is, I think, there's certain topics that we need to touch on on a regular basis, and it not just be. A generalized teaching about stuff, and prayer is the one that I think in the church we kind of generalize prayer, like we just talk to God. And there's nothing wrong with that, but at the same time, we kind of need to go back and remember who we are addressing when we're talking to God. Because a lot of times, I know I'm speaking for myself, and I'm speaking for you also. When we get into kind of a mode of prayer, in our day or whatever, I dare say most of it was of the kind of a longer list of things I want God to do for me and for everybody else. And that's not the intent of prayer. It's part of the intent of prayer. It's not the intent of prayer. Now, what I don't want us to do is, this is not a how-to. But the how-to has been addressed. Jesus addresses specifically in Matthew chapter 6 how this supposed to prayer. I don't think I can teach anybody what Jesus did. So there's no reason to talk about the how to. But I think it's important for us, when we look at the how to, to ask ourselves, what for? Instead of a how to series, I want us to look at what am I praying for? And what perspective am I taking when I'm that? And here's what I mean by that. So if you go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, the very first thing that Jesus says, when he says, this is how you should pray, as he says, my Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. If we just look at the how to, we can recite that and we'd be absolutely be behind in the meaning behind it whatsoever. But what Jesus has pictured here for us and is trying to teach the disciples of us is not just a formula, but a process and also a reverence to who we're talking to. And we can get into the, the formula, and we can go through the process, and check it off the list. So, like we check everything else off the list? Okay, I phrase him, I in or I never ask for anything. It's not a good way to go about our prayer life. So, we need to get beyond just the how to, and get into the what for. Are we are we actually looking to engage with our God when we speak to Him? If and if you're not familiar, I think I've support this before Ephesians chapter 1. This is one of the best what four prayers that I've, I've seen in scripture. There's a ton of prayers, and they're all valid, very good prayers. But as far as teaching only why we are actually approaching God and how we want to do that, I think Paul addressed that in the church of Ephesus, really well in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 16 to 19. And here's what Paul says in that passage. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayer. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord and his Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope of which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Now, first of all, Paul makes a statement about the people that he's addressing in verse 16. He says, I have not stopped giving thanks to you, remembering you in my prayer. So, why is Paul giving thanks? I'm a a question pastor when I go into reading scripture. And so I always ask, well, why did he do that? Well, he already answered why he did it. This in verse 15. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, and then he says what he says in verse 16. But did you catch what he said there? Paul planted the church. He knows these people. He's been among them. They have interacted with him. He has interacted with them. But what did he say is the reason for his prayer? He says the reason for my prayer is because I have heard about your faith. Alright, let me, let's take it personal for a minute. With all of the blessings to you and I, has anybody ever told you personally that I thank God and remember you of my prayers because of the faith that i heard about for you? Let me put it another way. All not addressing their interaction because they gave him something. He's not saying, I oh, thank you for your hospitality and I remember you in my prayer. He's saying, because I've heard that you are living this, and it's not just something you do in my presence, you're doing it all the time, this is why. So, as you start to think about this, and you start to look at yourself and start coming to reflecting, and I knew that I personally say, man, I don't know that I've ever got any other And Paul, writer of one third of the New Testament, is talking about a group of people that he said, I just heard about your thing. And this is the reason that I defended. And this is the reason that I have a I, I want to be wrong. I want to be a reason that, that. that if somebody else says, God thank you for this thing. What does it have to do with prayer? Because if we are not that person, then everything else that Paul says that we're supposed to project around another. This is a deeper understanding, a deeper breath, a deeper walk for the Lord that is not something that we do just because we have to do it. It's because it comes from a deep desire to know the more, to chase after the things that he has for us, and to be in a more intimate place with God. And you don't have to, like, make that happen. God makes it happen in us on a regular basis. So in Paul's phrase, he says, offering that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know them better. So, of course, as I said a minute ago, I asked a question. But just said that you thank God and remember them in your prayers because of the faith that you've heard about. Why do they need this? If they're already there, why do they need more? Because we always need to be going deeper. And as you look around the society that we live in today, if you are not in tune with the spirit that he's talking about here, there's a lot of things that are drumming up that voice on a regular basis in every one of our lives. So the prayer that Paul prays here for the people was not a prayer that should scare them, but it's a prayer that should solidify and root them even deeper in the faith that they already have projected, that Paul has seen in them. But it also means that it also means that there's going to be a deeper wisdom and a deeper revelation that all of us need to aspire to take on. And so, as we read through this, this is not just about how our prayer life should be. I want you to understand what Paul prayed, so that when you pray, you can say, "Lord, I'm going to pray this over myself. I want that deeper spirit of wisdom and revelation." So then, we have to ask ourselves the question: What is it? Well, there's multiple places where the word "spirit" appears in the New Testament. The word is the general term that is used for the Holy Spirit. The only word that's missing is "Holy." The word is pneuma, it's 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 written there, and then there's two other words right behind it, which is the word for wisdom and revelation, I'll get to that in just a minute. But it's used specifically in the same way from Ephesians, John does so also here in 1 John chapter 4. Now, here's what John says, he says, we are from God, and whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listening. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth. It's the same exact term for spirit of wisdom and revelation, spirit of truth, are interchangeable, and the spirit of falsehood. That's a completely different term. It's not pneuma that's used in spirit of falsehood as it is in spirit of truth. He repeats this in a different way in chapter 5, verse five, uh, 6 through 9. He says, This is the one who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water alone, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who testifies. Same terminology that he used for spirit of truth. It says that it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is the truth. He says, for there are three that testify, the spirit, the water, and the blood, and the three are in agreement. We accept human testimony, but God's testimony is greater because it's the testimony of God, which he has given about the son, Jesus. In verse 10, he says, whoever believes in the son of God accepts his testimony. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given by the son. And this is the testimony. God has given us eternal life. and This life is in his son. Whoever has a son has life. Whoever does not have the son of God does not have life. So a roundabout way, what Paul addresses with the church of Ephesus, the reason that he is like going in depth in his prayer with that group. They've already shown this. I know that you are entrenched in salvation. I know that you have a relationship with God because you've placed your faith there. And so, if we are not there this morning, that's where we start. You can't have a deeper walk with Christ if you haven't walked with Him in the shallow waters yet. So, we need to step into the water in in the shallow end before we go diving into the deep end. I know that that sounds contradictory to what so many different. Preachers and teachers and pastors have said before, you just got to go all in. According to this, there is a little bit of there is a little bit of a immaturity that grows into maturity. It comes up throughout Scripture. It's even addressed as you're no longer infants who are on just spiritual milk. Now you're taking the solid foods and the things that you need for greater nourishment. It's the same principle that Paul's praying about here. And so the Spirit of Truth does a couple things. It reveals Christ and seals us entry. We can argue with it as we go along, as we often sometimes do. I, I know that I do that. I have confessed to you before. Come to God's word with different things in different areas. You see it and you go, Lord, that's tough. And the Lord says, son, I love you, but it's my word. And it's going to be tough. The reason it's tough is because it can take your questions. And it's going to change your questions to reveal my truth so that you can live my truth. Yes, sir. Like what else do you do with that? So the Spirit reveals Christ, seals us in truth, those who have believed in Christ Jesus. So when we go back to our passage that Paul is writing to the Church of Ephesus, it's simply restating the same thing. So in verse 17 he says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him that you want this. You need to want this for yourself. There is so, so much contradictory and confusing statements when it comes to the Holy Spirit specifically, but also just about living the Christian life in general. And when we get all of these contradictory and and sometimes just there are condescending statements about different areas of scripture, even from inside the church, it does make us want to kind of stand back and say, I don't know if I love that. And can I just tell you that if God Himself has said that it's good, you should want it. And so this deeper spirit of wisdom and revelation is something that he says. That he wants for you. How do I know that? Because he used his vessel to pray it over his church. He used Paul to speak this over you and I. The church of Ephesus specifically. In a very specific way. But also in a general revelation to the church universal. And so we make it personal. Because we are going to make the decision. That we want what God says is good for us. And so here's, here's the word. I don't mean this often because I don't speak Greek. But these are the three words that show up. It is Numa, Sophia, Apocalypsis. I can't even pronounce that last one. So it's like, it's what you think it is, like apocalypse. So when you read like the Revelation in Revelations, and so you talk about apocalyptic literature, it's what you're talking about. That's the literal definition of Revelation. So what does it mean? A spiritualism Revelation literally translates. It's knowledge of evangelical truth revealed. now, when I say the word evangelical, it is not denominational belief. The word evangelical has been hijacked by church people to become doctrine denominational definition. That's not what it means at all. What it means is that I'm just gonna break it down to you it's three very basic truths. Very simply, when you say that you have evangelical belief and faith, you believe the word written reveals God to us. The word Christ incarnate saves us. The word Christ and the word written sent and revealed our need for the Holy Spirit. Those are three simple things. God has inspired the written word, has sent the, the, the incarnate word, and it has always has been about his revelation to us. How does he do that Through his Holy Spirit? It's not something that you can educate yourself towards. So, I can teach this, and you never say, God, I want your spirit to reveal this. It's just going in your ear, and they mull around your head, and they don't do anything. You've got to say, Okay, Lord, I want the spirit of wisdom and revelation to be spoken. Yeah. So, when we say that, because some of you will sit this morning and say, But I don't hope all of that. Because isn't that kind of creepy and yeah. spooky? Yeah. And it is. It can be hard, and it can be. Yeah, it can be weird. weird. That's how we define it. That spirit field weird. It's a I always sound like an old white man when I say that. I don't know why I do it. We don't do that stuff. We're reverent. We keep our mouth shut. And we listen to the word, and we go home and smoke our cigarettes. Don't worry about nothing else suit today because it is that's what we do we've we we, we designed the church in America especially to be intellectually ascended and we do not know God we have an intellectual knowledge about all things God but there's no spiritual wisdom that comes from that because we can know everything Satan knows everything and has zero relationship with God. It's it's crazy that we have filled ourselves to the point that that's what we have become, and so Paul prays for us. I having I have this prayer in mind, so that you have a deeper intimacy with this Spirit that reveals who God is and who Christ is for you, and folks, She's more than just a Savior. You like that part because it gets me out of hell free. But he also is Lord and that gets left out. Because that means that I have to submit to something. And I am independent and I don't submit, and that's not how this works. And I just put this out there, I think it's on I think it's on the slides. I don't remember. But I just I put it like this because this was this is me. This was how I looked at things. How we pray is indicative of what we believe. And what we believe drives what we pray for. I know it sounds circular, but how we pray will indicate what we believe in. If we have a very shallow belief in God, then our prayer life looks like a laundry list of God fixes. God intervene in this, God do this, God do that. That's those are shallow prayers. I'm sorry, I'm not gonna on the sugar coat all But if we can change the belief that we have behind while we pray. It can drive what we pray for. It'll change the way that our prayer life goes. And we'll realize that it's not about us getting God to change his mind about our circumstances, situations, and things going on in our life. But it actually is about changing us to align with his will. Did you know that sometimes bad things happen to you because you're not going the way God wants you to? He does that. Well, I don't know if I can follow a God that does that And you're still the God of your universe. And how you pray is indicative of what you believe. And we have, to, we have to allow the Spirit to change that in us. And contrary to what Lord Brooks said, you know what Lord Brooks said about prayer, is it? one of God's greatest gifts, for unanswered prayers. Folks, God doesn't ignore you. There's no such thing as an unanswered prayer. Let me tell you why we believe that there is. Because we have a shallow belief in prayer. Why? Because we think that because we didn't get what we wanted when we prayed didn't an answer. Nope. You just didn't like the answer. Or, you knew what the answer was, didn't like it, and you wanted to complain and lie about it. Guess he's wrong in both instances? We are. So we got to align ourselves in the right place. That was a good song back in the day, Lord. I know, I used to listen to the guards when I was younger. Oh, mercy. All right, so here's here's what I want us to see about this. Because when we talk about the spirit of wisdom and revelation, there's actually three very simple things that this does. And it's not as scary and freaky and weird as so many people think it is. And it's not as difficult as we believe it to be to take that step of going a little bit deeper and being a little more intimate with our God when we realize who we're addressing And here's what ultimately, when we look at this prayer, this is what Paul's intention is for you and I when he talks about the spirit of wisdom and revelation. The first thing is, is this prayer is about connection. This type of prayer connects. The intention of prayer is not about me getting something from God, but simply me being with God. Is it okay for you to have things that you want his attention on? Absolutely. But do we often act like kids where we act out to get the parents' attention and pitch our kid and everything else so that we can try to get what we want instead of us approaching the God of the universe just for the connection? Husbands, if you approach your wife only when you want something from them, it's not very connected. Is it? And you probably don't get what you're after. Whether it's affection or you've had a bad day and you just seen a listening ear. If there's no intention on your part for there to be a, an intimate connection, you're not going to get what you're looking for. Now, don't go to the other extreme devil and try to fake the intimacy part of just being there with your bride because that's what christ has said about us he said you're my bride and i don't fake the intimacy that i have for you i died for you i gave all for you so that i could be with you for eternity if you choose to be a part of this connection so when we enter into this this deeper prayer life we need to recognize who we're praying to we need to realize we're approaching the god of the universe and we need to stop thinking in terms of, I'll put it like this, because you guys know me, I'm simple minded of the thing. You ever watch these court TV shows, and you watch these people try to argue for themselves? And if it's good duty, we're going to do good duty, right? She just looks at it like a stupid. Like, I don't think God does that, but I kind of have that image that God looks at us sometimes, but some of you do Because what are they arguing based on? They're not arguing based on the truth. They're arguing based on how they feel about something. They're arguing based on their circumstances, their situation. They're arguing based on their own understanding of something. And when the judge is sitting there looking at them, the judge looks at them like they're a fool. Now, God in His grace and His mercy, may look at us like we're a fool sometimes, but He also has grace in us uh, for us, to show us. And, and I, it just makes me ask the question, why can I approach God that way? And just to be humble, instead of doing what Justin said last week, I just humble myself in the presence of God. I submit myself to Him. I allow Him to be the judge in the situation, to be the Lord and Savior in the situation, to meet be the humble servant, that's approaching the God of the universe. This connection that we can have. Here's, here's what he told Isaiah. He's like, here's the problem. And this is probably a lot of our problems. Isaiah 1, he says, when you spread out your hands in prayer, I hide my eyes from you. Even when you offer me prayers, I'm not listening. And he, he goes on and it says, your hands are full of blood. What does he tell him to do? He says, you need to wash your hands. He says, you need to make yourself clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight and stop doing them. So there is a place where when we come into this intimate connection, we need to remember who he is. We also remember, we need to remember who we are. It's not to be browbeaten by our sin and have to be a constant reminder of how dirty we are. It's just for us to be reminded of who we're approaching, why we're approaching him, and what the purpose behind that approach is. And it says that when we make this connection, Revelation tells us something. That we may not ever notice about prayer. Revelation chapter 5 actually speaks about prayer. You know what prayer does? Like, I love this picture. It's a fragrant incense at the altar of God, this is what Revelation 5 8 tells us. It talks about, it says, When he, laid, uh, when he had taken the stroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each holding he a heart and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. He doesn't ignore what you're saying. The connection is real. And he takes those and he, he brings them into his cell. What do you do with incense? You smell that. You you enjoy that aroma. It doesn't matter how ugly the prayer may be, how hurt you are in the moment when you're making that spiritual, intimate connection with God. It says this is what he does with our prayers. But it also says that he doesn't ignore them. And that the same thing carries the other direction as well. Jesus was teaching on a very specific subject, but it's super related to what we're talking about here when we talk about prayer. He says in John 15, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. How does that happen? It only happens if God's listening and God cares and God is going to do something because we've positioned ourselves, like Justin said last week, in submission to him, we humbled ourselves and we realize who we're making a connection with. It's super important when Paul praises this prayer about the spirit of wisdom and revelation that we realize that this prayer is intended to connect us to the very presence of God. The second thing that this prayer does, according to what Paul teaches here, is that it clarifies. There is no prayer that we send to God that we should get an answer that confuses us. I think the Bible says that like simply confusion is of the devil. You know, my grandmother said that. I think Cece probably said that before too. But these prayers clarify. And I'm not talking about us clarifying something to God like he doesn't understand. I'm talking about his answers being clarified as he speaks to you and to me. If we're in tune with the right connection then all of the things that we are petitioning God for, number one, they matter to you. Number two, he's going to answer every single one of them you just need to be ready to receive. And so the spirit of wisdom and Revelation positions you to be able to do this. If you're in the place of intimate connection, then when your prayer goes up and his answer comes back, there is clarity. Now, I may not like what's said, But there's still clarity in what He has said. There's so many times when He answers you clearly and He says exactly what you want to hear. And you know what you're going to do? Thank you, Lord. Praise God. Amen. You're going to say all those things. There's so many times when He's going to say, "Son, daughter, you need to," and you're going to go, "Oh no, okay. Thank you, but I don't like it." There's so many times when He says, "Son, daughter, no." You know it. We watch people it all day long. But when we're in that intimate connection, we understand something. Whether it's yes, not now, or no, he's clearly speaking to me and he knows better than I do. And because of that intimate connection, I'm gonna trust that the clarity that I'm receiving is going to be established in a particular place. As if you go on into Ephesians, chapter 3, Paul repeats this prayer, but he, he words it differently. And he tells them, I pray that you being greeted and established in love. May I power together with all the words of the people to grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you will be the member of all the fullness of God. And so that intimate connection, and what he's talking about in he says, To know this love that surpasses knowledge, that knowledge of humanism. We can. is human wisdom. You can't in all the same. But you can with the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Something outside of us, because he says, "I want you to know this, because I've already prayed for you to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation." You need to understand that this this prayer is a prayer of connection. It's an intimacy that we have with God. I have, Sometimes I just need to come to Him, and I need nothing but Him. Let me tell you what happens. I do that every now then, no matter how bad it is. Just me in his presence. We say, I'm going to tell you what happens. You forget what you were fixing to component. Because that connection is something that I can't fathom in my own understanding. But somehow, some way, he reaches down and he still touches because of that connection. And he clarifies, even when I don't say a word, he shows me clearly what it is that he's trying to do. This prayer that Paul's praying is a prayer that connects and clarify And the last thing I'm going to mention today, and I'm going to expand on this next week, because this is pretty massive. This prayer is powerful. That's a very broad, general statement to me. And that's why I say, I'm going to clarify this next week, because I'm take 35 more minutes or more. And it's raining, and some of you are already like, kind of chill right here. Prayer is powerful. But... No, Michael. Welcome to God Prayer is powerful. It's so much more powerful than our bare-bone basic prayers that we often do. Like we even train our kids in this. And look, if you do this, don't hear me knocking on this. The the bedtime prayer is now on the it's really weird. You ever paid right, side note. you ever paid attention to the words of prayer? It's a little bit. If I should die before I wake I pray the Lord thinking, You're talking about a four-year-old reciting so I'm sitting there thinking of 39 I'm like, poor kid. <laughs> like, Why isn't a kid gone? I'm gonna die tomorrow. Sorry, it's just kind of a side. But yeah, look, yeah, all of you know me well enough now, like when you sit down to dinner with me, everybody used to look at me, waiting for me to pray over the meal, and you know I ain't gonna do it because it's expected. It's just something that we do. It's got to be more than just what we do. And you can't pray over your snicker bar telling God to bless it. We're going to take these, this fat and this sugar and help my diabetes. <laughs> it's not going to happen. And It's, really, it's funny to, to think that way. But we, we really need to get back to that place where we realize like, powerful what our, our words are. It's why it's why Scripture tells us that the words should be on our heart which then is going to be on our lips on a regular basis. Why? Because our words are powerful. What we say to each other is powerful. What we say to people outside the faith is powerful. What we say to our God in our private settings is powerful. God is intended to be powerful. It's supposed to be that way so that when we approach God we understand that we are receiving something that is beyond ourselves when he answers. And we have an appreciation for that. Because we don't deserve it, any of it. I don't deserve to even know who he is. I, I don't deserve to have the veil torn so that I can walk into the holy holies Because I am, what does Isaiah say? Woe to me. Because I am... I'm an unclean man and I live amongst an unclean people. And my eyes are seen more. It's powerful when, when we when we relate to God that what Paul's wanting them to realize in his in his speaking of wisdom and revelation is that your prayer is to connect you to God. Your prayer is so that there's clarity in what he's saying. Then you can get to the prayer that I have is powerful. My words mean something. Then you can go back to Matthew chapter six, and you can start back over in verse nine, and you can read, "Our Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name." And it'll send shivers down your spine, and it will drive you to your knees because you realize how hallowed that name is. Oh, I'm approaching it, and there's power in what I'm saying because He's offered me the opportunity to have that power to speak. Don't believe me? Here's what James says about it. James says, and the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Do we believe that today? I can answer that. No, we don't. It says, the Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. That's still available to us today. We've been so desensitized with so many different things that we've lost a little bit of our understanding about how powerful our words are. And even when we say something, Lord, please heal this person. In the back of our mind. Because I've look, I heard it. And Lord, even if you're not willing, your will be done. Like, you know what that is. That's not just, I want your will. That's like, I'm just preparing myself so when you don't heal. me. I don't know what the deal is. There's power in what you're saying, but said, you don't believe I can do one. That's why he said what he said to Isaiah. He's like, I'm not listening when you pray like this. Well, Michael, you said that he hears your prayers. He does. I say he hears them, but he may not be listening. You know the difference, right? I can hear and I can listen. There's a difference. It, it goes, it not only into my head, but it goes into my heart. It's called, wives uh, call it selective here. And it's only found in the end, i You know what I'm talking about? I don't know what you're talking about because I didn't hear you. If I heard you, I just wouldn't listen. We get it from God, see? There's power in our words. We need we need to realize that. We need to realize that we're addressing God we need to know who we're talking to. So like I can told you, this is not a how-to. I'm not a how-to guy when it comes to prayer because there's not a how-to other than what Jesus said. Like, this is how I want you to approach me. This is the how-to. You need to praise God for who He is. Hallowed be your name. My interest is not about this world, but your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it already is in heaven. Second line, I ain't even got to the point where I'm like, hey, I need this. And what does he say after that? Give us today our daily bread. Wait a minute, I want an abundance. I don't, I don't want just enough bread for today. That, that's the how-to. I don't have to teach you that. But you need to understand the power behind it. You need to understand why and for what am I praying. And so when we see what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 when he's addressing the church and ultimately when he's addressing us we need to realize that the prayer needs praying over the church, over you and I and the prayer that we can pray over ourselves and over others who are in the faith alongside of us, we need to we need this prayer in our life. We need this in our in our own personal walk. We need to say, God, I want I want to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Why? Because I want my prayer to connect. I want there to be that intimacy that I don't feel and I don't experience when i when I am in prayer with you. I want, to, I want the clarity of knowing that when I speak and you listen and you speak back, I can hear it too with spiritual ears because I've got the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I know that there's power, a very vast, surpassing, almost un- understandable, I mean, that's a word, power that I have access to through the spirit that when I pray, God still does this. The prayer offered in faith. Will. let say might. says will. says the prayer of a righteous person is powerful. and effective." So the, the simple fact is. That if we're not careful. We can fall into the trap. Of just simply not believing that this is possible for us. It's a lie. It is. not it's possible. It's given to you. If you receive it. In Jesus' name, by the power of his Holy Spirit. It's what we've been given. It's the authority that we've been given. It's what we've been offered to be able to function and operate properly as followers of Christ. And so as we spend some time over the next few weeks looking at prayer from this perspective in Ephesians chapter 1, this is how I'm going to close today. I'm going to pray I pray that the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ would give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know I pray so that the prayer that I am praying connects you in an intimate way to your God and your Father and your Lord and your Savior Jesus Christ. And I pray that that spirit would give you clarity, as you speak to him. And I pray that you realize, and even in the simplest of ways, with the simplest of faith, that the prayer that you offer him is powerful and effective. If you simply trust in the name of Jesus and allow his spirit to work in and dream. Lord, thank you that you give us an opportunity to meet you in in a place of intimacy, Like only your followers can. Thank you that you have offered not only a way of salvation, but a way to walk in this life. By the power and authority of your spirit living in, around, and through each and every one of us. If we simply submit ourselves to you. Lord, as we seek to be people who go a little bit deeper. And specifically in our prayer life with you. Lord, give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Let us have those prayers that connect. Let us experience the clarity that your spirit brings. And Lord, help us to be reminded that our words in prayer to you are powerful and effective. Moving us into your will, not just trying to move you into our situation. Lord, work in us in areas that, that you need to for each of us specifically. Lord, you know every one of our hearts. You know where we are. You know what our prayer life looks like. You know what our walk looks like. Lord, you know the hearts in the room that have not surrendered to you. You are not blind to that. But the Lord, they may be. And I pray the first clarifying act that you take in some people's lives is to open the eyes of their heart to realize that they need to receive you in repentance and rest according to your life. Lord, as we seek to walk out this life that you've given each and every one of us, Lord, help us connect to your heart, clarify things in our spirit, and remind us of the power you've offered us. Lord, we love you, we love you, we love you. We pray it all in your name this morning. Amen.